Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, now a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it's tough to find a better prospect, really, in the history of the game than Lawrence, just in terms of there being so few red flags basically every step of the way throughout his football career. Number one overall recruit in 2018 high school class comes to Clemson, wins a national championship as a rookie, rips off a 38-2 and two record. This guy has literally not lost a regular season game ever. That's the stat, right? Like high school, college, we're probably, you know, I'll knock on wood. Like, I don't know. He's going to lose a regular season game in with Jacksonville. We think that would seemingly happen. Hasn't happened to this point. Absolutely incredible. Jaguars obviously made him number one overall pick, just like any other team would have in this position. And now here we are, Lawrence, with, again, more buzz than just about any quarterback we can remember ahead of the 2021 season. So it makes sense. I and mean, this is from our PFF 2021 NFL Draft Guide courtesy of the always great Mike Renner. The hype is all warranted. It's a special quarterback class, but there's still a clear gap between Lawrence and everyone else. He's the only quarterback in the PFF college era to grade over 90 overall as a true freshman, and he's repeated that feat in both years since. This year, despite having what was easily the worst offensive line in group series he's ever had, Lawrence still put up a career-high 91.2 overall grade and show continued growth. Most notably, his accuracy saw a considerable uptick. He's not a perfect prospect, but he's as NFL-ready as it gets. As someone that saw Lawrence rip the heart out of my Buckeyes in 2019, even getting revenge in this past like uh, playoff game did not like take away just from seeing Lawrence as again the god of the QBs in this class. I mean, what he was able to do, even with all those Buckeye defenders in his face, in one of you know one of his quote unquote relatively worst hours, the guy was still absolutely fantastic. And it's because he can th- put the ball to any spot on the field, and he's fast enough to really force defenses to defend every square inch. And I get it. He doesn't have, you know, Josh Allen's rocket launcher for a right arm. He also doesn't have, uh, you know, even Justin Fields type of speed to kind of force defenses to work, worry about him in the run game. But, you know, wherever you want, overall passing grade, 90.3. Intermediate grade, 90.2. Deep ball, 97.7. No pressure grade, 92.6. Whatever stat you want to pull out from his college football career, Trevor Lawrence was elite in it. And with that in mind, people... I was really high on Lawrence going into this year. We've only seen a handful of rookie QBs function as fantasy football, just QB ones, again, top 12 at the position. And those guys were Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Kyla Murray, and most recently, Justin Herbert. So those seven guys and the big trends, except for Justin Herbert, he ended up being the exception to the rule. But the big trends from the other guys were be a week one starter and have the existence of a rushing floor. And really that rushing floor was at least 25 rushing yards per game in college. As we saw with Justin Herbert, started in week two, was far more athletic than he showed at Oregon. And we kind of saw some of that from his testing. So Lawrence was right there at 24 rushing yards per game at Clemson. Obviously he's going to be starting in week one. Why am I 
souring on Lawrence after kind of actually having him as a borderline QB one uh, before the draft is because what in the hell is Urban Meyer doing? Like I was, I was optimistic with Urban coming to the NFL because we had seen enough in his second tenure at Ohio State to believe that maybe he's going to the NFL as a CEO type. I mean, when Ohio State got absolutely blanked by Clemson in 2016 with uh, JT Barrett trying to run the show, the result was that they brought in Ryan Day to really just revamp their entire passing game. And the results have been great. Dwayne Haskins, obviously, did not pan out in the NFL, has not panned out to this point, still set the freaking Big Ten touchdown record and was the first-round pick. Justin Fields just went to the Bears high up in the first round, I believe 11th overall, clearly showed that he was plenty capable of making some huge throws during his time, Ohio State particularly in that Clemson game. But those weren't really from Urban, and that's why I thought, hey, okay, here's Urban, who historically has needed to have control over every minute detail of the organization. It seemed like he was giving up some of that for a good reason. He saw good results from it. Now I'm not so sure that's going to be the case. And it's a few different things. So first of all, just starting in the beginning of the offseason, we have Meyer hiring controversial former Iowa strength coach Chris Doyle, who resigned fewer than 48 hours later. That was the first time that we were just like, wait a second. Why did you just do that? We move on. We get the free agency. Jackson bought all the money in the world to spend, you know, the, whether it was Curtis Samuel, whether it was Will Fuller, like the amount, you could pick any player at almost any offensive position and just fingers crossed, they're going to bring them in and really give Lawrence, you know, a treasure chest of uh, weapons to work with. Not really. We got career special teamer, Jamal Agnew coming in, maybe being more involved in offense than he has in the past. 31-year-old wide receiver Marvin Jones. Hey, I get it. He's caught nine touchdowns in each of the past two years. Just realized coming back from injury last year, he did not look like the same player. And I firmly believe he would not have had that same level of success if Stafford literally just didn't have anybody else to throw the ball to after Kenny Galladay got hurt. We got blocking tight end Chris Manhurts and Urban's old buddy, Carlos Hyde. And once he signed Carlos Hyde and said that he's going to be right there at James Robinson, we should have known something was up. We should have known that Tim Tebow was going to freaking get involved somehow. Maybe Tim Tebow, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's just going to eight years away from the game was all he needed to become a great NFL tight end. You know, playing baseball gave Tebow the hands he never had and uh, just refound his love for the game, I guess. If that's what, how you want to go, great. It's objectively terrible news for Trevor Lawrence. The one good thing that some people have pointed to is how having Tim Tebow there actually takes pressure off of Lawrence. Like now he's not even being getting the most headlines for this team. If Tebow wasn't there, that wouldn't happen. And okay, fine. You can take that win. If some of these Taysom Hill rumors are true about how they want to use Tebow, which is kind of hilarious at this point, how every just bad, somewhat athletic white quarterback gets called, you know, hey, we'll use him in the Taysom Hill role these days. If that happens, like that's just objectively terrible news for Trevor Lawrence. Like, I don't really think this Jaguars offense is going to make a habit of being inside their opponent's 10 yard line. And if Tebow's coming in every single time they do, that is problematic. So just the fact that this whole experiment's going on to begin with isn't great. And then the Travis Etienne note, and you can criticize the Jaguars for drafting a first round running back in the salary cap era. I do think it makes sense to devote less resources to running backs when you just have to, again, if we only have a certain amount of resources we can use. I wish the NFL didn't have a salary cap and the best running backs could make however much money someone wants to pay them. That's not the reality of the situation. And when Urban Meyer comes out and says, you know, Kadarius Tony was someone they really wanted and they were sad they couldn't get. But now they got ETN to fill the Percy Harvin Curtis Samuel role. That's exciting for ETN. I've come up on him during the process and raise him in the ranks because of that, because he's going to catch a lot of passes. 
What this really tells me, though, is that Urban Meyer is having far more control over this offense than I think any of us really pictured him doing. I mean, people, I thought Daryl Bavell was going to be running this offense. I did not think Urban Meyer was going to try to take his offense that, again, he had to restructure severely in you know, his final two years coaching college football. Apparently, he's going to have far more just overall influence on this offense than we thought, which is not good. Maybe in 2005, but honestly, like as much of a spread innovator as Urban Meyer was, you know, Bowling Green to Florida and even earlier at Ohio State, things got stale. And I'm not super convinced with these, with all these, you know, bringing back Hyde, bringing back Tebow, uh, you know, directly comping ETN to, you know, having that Percy role. It seems like Urban is still living in 2011, 2012, and that is not good for projecting these Jaguars. So, hey, if Trevor Lawrence is as good and as generational, quote unquote, as everyone thinks he is, maybe he can overcome this. But people, we just have far more questions about this situation after the draft, after the offseason than we did before. And that's where it becomes problematic. So right now um, I've got Lawrence as my QB 19 is in my fourth tier where I, I labeled it. I could talk you in this man being a QB one, but man, give me Justin Fields and Trey Lance ahead of Lawrence. And I understand Lawrence, if you want to go median projection points, if you want to go out and try to win the fantasy pros accuracy competition, you should rank Lawrence ahead of Fields and Lance because he's going to be playing more often. He's likely to finish higher. I'm not so convinced that's the way we want to win fantasy football championships, though. And the two reasons why I don't enter that contest is one, if you're good at something, don't do it for free. And two, I just don't think median projections help win fantasy football leagues. Like, who do we want on the field in, you know, week eight? Trey Lance, Justin Fields, or Trevor Lawrence? I think the answer is Trey Lance because he runs the ball a ton. Now, would you rather have Lawrence before that because he's going to score more fantasy points? Like it's, you know, it's something we need to continue to work on, but really like chasing, it's first or last in fantasy football. Being fifth instead of seventh does us no good. We want to take leaps on guys. And I just don't think Lawrence has the high end year one upside to really warrant that leap. We're going to have Fields and Lance getting far more rush attempts and probably better schemed offenses at this point. At least we can say that for Lance. And in terms of the skill position weapons, I know Lance has uh, Lawrence beat there as well. So Lawrence, hey, it's, He's going to face more, I guess, scrutiny and adversity in his first season with the Jaguars than he ever has in three years in Clemson. He should be able to overcome this with flying colors if he's as good as everyone thinks he is. Again, the problem is, and as we've seen really around the league, I mean, Washington, Cleveland, these franchise, Chicago, has every single quarterback that's been in those three teams sucked? Like they're just 0 for 60 on them? Or is a lot of it how the quarterback was brought up, how the organization viewed them? I tend to fall more in the former bucket or latter bucket. It seems likely that Lawrence is capable of overcoming a less than ideal situation. It's just unfortunate that seems to be the spot he's in in 2021. So QB19. Love them, like them, don't love them as a fantasy asset in 2021. And in dynasty drafts, I would pull the trigger on Trey Lance ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Who's going to have the better NFL real-life career? Give me Trevor Lawrence. But I think Lance has the potential to be enough of a rushing cheat code. Again, our NFL uh, draft guy comp for Trey Lance was Taysom Hill, legit arm talent. I just think in that shanty system, Trey Lance deserves to be going ahead of Lawrence in Dynasty Land. So that's going to wrap it up. This edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, everybody. If you want to... Listen to more of us. Go listen to our NFL coverage, our NFL draft coverage. Austin Gale and Mike Renner over at Two for One. Of course, George and Eric over the PFF forecast. And we also, people, have a code to Underdog Fantasy. You want to play fantasy football? Want to make money? Want to play best ball? Use promo code PFF and you'll get $10 and a free PFF Edge annual subscription. So make sure you check that out. Thank you again for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.